talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You are listening to Talking Benefits. Every month, we cover the top stories in retirement and healthcare, the latest benefits, hot topics, and whatever else the industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. Guys, breaking news. They just released the name of Royal Baby Sussex. Oh, what is Any it? Any guesses? No uh, idea. It must be like four names. They usually have a they lot. They usually do four <laughs> names. They only release the first and the middle. Should I tell you? Yes. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Archie Harrison. Okay. Mm. Archie. Very cute. Okay. Is it short for like Archibald? I don't think so. Mm. Just plain Archie. Just Archie. That's what was released. So okay. I don't know any more details. <laughs> I'm sure they will be forthcoming. Okay. But well, it's well, a very that, exciting you know, day. begs the question then, right, about mm-hmm. the the person in the room who's a father to be. Yeah, Justin, I yes. heard you have some exciting news. I am going to be a dad, yes. Oh, that's first awesome. Week, first week of October. Very excited. Very exciting. Yeah. So what <laughs> about Congratulations. Yes. Have you thought about baby names? Um, my wife and I are on a baby name app where our choices get sent to each other. So it's been a long process, and it's going to continue to be long. So, <laughs> so Archie Harrison. Archie is Harrison. That, is that right up there I, now, right I, at the I top? guess I'll have to add it to the list yep. to be trendy. So, yeah. <laughs> Very exciting for you guys. Did you and your wife time this pregnancy specifically so that we could use it as a segue into today's episode because Um, we're talking about family-friendly benefits. Yeah, unfortunately, we did not take the uh, podcast schedule into account in our in our family planning process. Right, right. So. Well, actually, Maybe I could think yeah. that's good because, <laughs> you know, I'd feel like a huge slacker if Justin was going to go that much above and beyond to fulfill True. his hosting duties. It would be hard so. to one-up that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as if we're talking about timing, really, this episode falls right between Mother's Day and Father's Day. So we thought it'd be a good time to talk about these types of benefits. Yeah, Kelly, and it seems like offering these family-friendly benefits is a growing trend. Would you say that? Well, family-friendly benefits have been around for quite some time, so I wouldn't actually call it new, but is it growing? That's a good question. It's certainly a focus among benefits and HR staff right now, but it's been that in the past too. I think what makes it exciting now is the variety of family-friendly benefits that are being offered. That makes sense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Julie. So I think what we'd like to do in today's episode is to discuss lots of different types of family-friendly benefits. And some of them you will have heard of, some may be offered by your employer currently, but others you maybe haven't heard of, so they'll be new to you. So whether these benefits are a good option for your organization will, of course, depend on your own worker population, your workplace culture, and the type of work your organization does. So why are family-friendly benefits part of the conversation now? Why are employers making sure the whole family is taken care of? One answer to the why of both questions is the why we've been talking about in lots of our past episodes. First and foremost, it's the tight labor market. Employers need to set themselves apart so they can attract and retain quality employees. Benefits are a big part of the package, and family-friendly benefits both appeal and are really critically important to everyone, but especially younger employees. Yeah, that's right. According to Pew Research in 2017, uh, millennials made up 35% of the U.S. workforce. 
while Generation X made up 33%. And in contrast, baby boomers were at 25%. And every day, workplaces are seeing more and more Generation Z employees arrive. So when we talk about why employers should care and get involved, again, the reasons are similar to what we've discussed in previous episodes when we've chatted about other employee challenges, things like financial distress or addiction issues or mental illness. Again, Julie, I I totally agree with that. And with those other challenges, employees facing issues with dependent care may be absent more frequently or be distracted at work, both of which can result in lower productivity. Yeah, and uh, valued employees may jump ship for a job with uh, a different employer that might offer more money or a better uh, benefits package. Absolutely. And of course, offering family-friendly benefits can help with employee morale and work-life balance. We've chatted before about how the U.S. at a federal level doesn't require employers to offer paid parental, maternity, paternity, or caregiving leave, but some states are offering this, correct? That's right, Anne. At the federal level, employers have to offer unpaid family and medical leave to eligible employees, but not paid leave. However, there is a relatively new federal tax credit available for employers that provide some paid family and medical leave. And in addition, there are some bills that have been introduced in Congress right now to require paid leave for this purpose if those bills end up passing. And the president has indicated support for some employer paid family leave. But for now, much of the action is happening at the state level. There are six states, uh, California, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, Washington, and Massachusetts, plus the District of Columbia that have passed paid family leave laws to date, and several other states are considering doing so. A side note to that, Julie, just a reminder to our listeners that federal tax credit you mentioned is scheduled to sunset at the end of this year unless it gets renewed. That's right. It was a bit of an experiment. Yes. Okay, let's talk about some of the newer benefits that are being offered. I know we've been tracking what employers are doing regarding fertility benefits. So in 2016, we started asking a specific line of questions as part of our employee benefits survey on this topic. Currently, more than 13% offer coverage for fertility medications, which is up from about 9% in 2016. Uh, Also, more than 11% offer uh, genetic testing services, which uh, might be able to determine potential uh, infertility issues. However, the most commonly offered fertility benefit is coverage for in vitro fertilization treatment, which is offered by over 16% of employers. Now, Justin, those percentages jump if we look at larger employers, right? Yeah. If we look at employers with uh, 500 or more employees, the prevalence of offering at least one type of fertility benefit jumps to nearly a third. And uh, among those larger employers, IVF coverage is at 23% of employers. So you out there may be thinking, whoa, 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 it's way too expensive for our company to offer this type of benefit. But it really may not be. Yes, it's true that one round of IVF can cost $20,000 to $25,000 or more, and it often takes more than one cycle to be successful. On average, it can take three cycles to result in a pregnancy. But it has been shown that employees who have access to fertility benefits at work can actually have lower overall health care costs because they make decisions with their doctors based on medical best practices and not on personal financial concerns or challenges. 
Julie, what do you mean by that? Can you expand on that a little more? So if an employee is concerned about the cost of IVF, if, for example, they've managed to save up enough for only one round of it, they're more likely to have multiple fertilized eggs implanted in the hopes that one of them will take immediately. Now, that may or may not work. But what can happen is a multiple birth scenario where two, three, four babies are the result. And if this happens, the mother's at higher risk, and the babies certainly are at higher risk. They usually arrive prematurely, and they're very tiny. And this will result in extra pre- and postnatal care for both mom and babies, racking up expenses that possibly could be avoided if the employee followed their doctor's recommendations for more effective treatment options. So a lot more money at the end versus the beginning, the beginning for employers. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and another way to look at it is in the overall scheme, of things, not that many employees will need to use fertility benefits. Right. So the the total cost may not be as much as you would think. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's one of those feel good benefits that if, if an employee does need to use in vitro down the line, it's great that they have that benefit in place, even if they don't take advantage of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So another benefit I've been hearing about, and I know we've been watching as well, egg harvesting and freezing. That's true, and women are waiting longer than ever to start a family for various reasons. So offering egg freezing benefits to those women and families allows them to have more flexibility and less stress if they're thinking about starting a family a little later. So if your company is offering infertility coverage, you should consider offering egg freezing as an employee benefit too, because freezing your eggs now can actually save money and has a higher success rate compared to doing in vitro fertilization later. As our 2018 employee benefit survey showed, more than 5% of respondents offer this benefit and prevalence has more than doubled since our 2016 survey. Employers may also want to take a look at the accommodations they provide to breastfeeding mothers. Certainly, as I'm sure you all know, by law, employers must offer a private space that's not just a bathroom for nursing moms to pump breast milk. But a few little alterations to the space can make a big difference. Ask breastfeeding mothers what you could have in the room that would be useful. Having a fridge, easily accessible outlets, or a sink can make a huge difference in how functional the space is. Traveling is especially challenging for breastfeeding mothers, so if you've got new moms on your staff who travel for work, consider offering breast milk shipping. They pump while they're traveling, and then they ship the milk home. It's another one of those benefits that won't apply to a large group of employees, but it will be a lifesaver for nursing moms who travel. What about coaching for new parents? Um, It's a huge undertaking and a lot to learn right away. I've been hearing about that as a new benefit. Yeah, and this is something that I've been looking into on a personal level. So parent coaching encompasses a wide variety of services to strengthen parental skills, and this can include prenatal education and behavior and life skills education for when the children actually come. Uh, Some of these coaching services focus on helping parents prepare for parental leave and ease the transition when they return to work. 
They can provide education on how to balance childcare time and work by wisely using the leave and flexibility options that a uh, employer may offer. These services can also serve as a great retention tool and uh, they can often be delivered uh, over the phone or even through uh, web-based platforms. Currently, just over 1% of our survey respondents offer access to these services, but it's definitely something that we're gonna keep tracking in the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about something that is near and dear to all employees, not just ones with children, paid leave and flexible scheduling. Okay, so employers are offering a number of leave and flexibility options, which give workers peace of mind while not necessarily resulting in high employer costs. More than 40% of the employers that we surveyed offer paid maternity leave, while about one-third offer paid paternity leave. Employers may want to consider including adoptive parents and foster parents when they structure their paid parental leave. And also, don't forget emergency sick child or elder care. Our survey says that 7% of organizations offer this type of assistance. This gives parents some flexibility when they get the midday call from school or daycare that their kids are sick. Now, some other arrangements that may apply for lots of situations but also help work-life balance include telecommuting and the use of flex time or compressed work weeks. And those kinds of options are offered by more than half of the employers we surveyed. In addition, more than 8% of those respondents offer shared work weeks, which is where multiple people are retained to fill one full-time position or role. And that, in turn, gives flexibility to those workers who are trying to juggle family responsibilities. And another uh, offering, um, those who listen to the podcast are probably familiar with the requirements of the Family and Medical Leave Act, or FMLA. It guarantees up to 12 weeks of unpaid parental leave, as well as leave for certain medical conditions of employees or their family members. More than a third of our survey respondents offer unpaid leave beyond those requirements that are laid out by FMLA, and uh, this can provide some additional peace of mind for your workers. And speaking of FMLA, just easing that transition back into working, another benefit that I've been hearing about is letting new parents bring their babies to work. Uh, We've talked about pets at work, but babies is a whole new level. So not just for a quick visit, but for the entire work day. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's certainly something that some employers have tried, Anne. Of course, this idea does present certain challenges, which may explain why few employers offer this benefit. If it is offered, employers need to understand that productivity will dip for parents who are multitasking with their infant present, and it may cause some productivity challenges for nearby colleagues, you know, who are sitting there hearing hearing the baby. But even so, a few organizations are willing to allow babies at work so that they can attract and retain talented employees by supporting their transition back to work and alleviating some daycare worries. Well, and speaking of children, 23% of the employers responding to our survey offer take our children to work day. Now that number is higher than the 17% that offered it in 2016. This national event held in April each year started in the early 1990s as Take Our Daughters to Work Day to allow girls to have a glimpse into the working world and promote career exploration. The event was expanded to include sons in 2003. I remember my dad took me to that. Oh, yeah. And he's an engineer, and it obviously I didn't go into a, a STEM-related field, but it was just cool. It, it's a neat way for kids to see where their parents work and have that opportunity to explore careers. Cool. So another 
newer option that I've heard about as well is to allow employees to donate vacation days from their paid time off bank for parental leave. Last year, Good Morning America published a story about how donating vacation time to a pregnant coworker is the new trendy baby shower gift. Like, who needs a stroller when you can have an extra week of paid Absolutely. maternity or, or paternity leave? This can be especially helpful for newer employees who might not qualify for any paid or unpaid maternity leave. I like that idea, Anne. Sorry, I don't have any to donate to you, Justin. Uh, <laughs> I like you, but... We can chat later. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so all this discussion has kind of got me thinking that I should probably review our family-friendly benefits at the foundation before baby held comes along. So while I do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more ways that employers can offer family-friendly benefits. The International Foundation's Certificate Series is coming up June 24th through the 29th, 2019 in San Diego. This program is all about great education and flexibility. Take single courses in topics you really want to drill into, like ancillary benefit plans or total rewards and workforce strategies, or combine a few to earn a certificate in health and welfare plans, retirement plans, benefit plan administration, strategic benefits management, and more. So go to ifebp.org slash certificate series to learn more and to register. Welcome back. Let's chat about other family-friendly benefits, this time ones that provide financial assistance. And that sounds like a great idea. There are some other ways employers can support families. For example, for those who adopt children, an employer could provide resource and referral services that help people find information, agencies, and counselors to assist with that adoption process. These resource and referral services are pretty common, with more than 13% offering them in 2018. Some employers even offer financial benefits that pay for some or all of the agency fees, court costs, and legal fees. The cost of child care is a concern for many parents, and employers can help with child care expenses in a variety of ways. They can offer a dependent care flexible spending account that allows employees to set aside money from their gross salary into a non-taxable spending account to pay for child care. Neither the employer nor the employee pays taxes on the amount of salary reduced for child care. This is a very popular benefit with almost three quarters of responding organizations offering this in 2018. It's a smart option for sure. I've also read that some employers that provide competitively priced or subsidized on-site or near-site daycare facilities for employees. This makes it convenient for workers to check on their children throughout the workday, which is really nice. And that type of of benefit would definitely reduce parental stress. You're not sitting at work being distracted, thinking about what your child is doing. Our survey found that only about 5% offer on or near site care. So it'll be interesting to see if that grows at all. Yeah. And there are uh, even some employers who offer workers a child care allowance or subsidies that families can use towards a child care arrangement of their choice. The employer contribution can be a percentage of the total cost of care, can be a flat amount for all participating employees, or uh, it can be determined by a sliding scale based on a family's income. According to our research, subsidies are offered by 3% of our survey respondents. 
Of course, supporting workers' kids can also involve educational benefits. About 12% of employers offer scholarship programs for their workers' children. And if the employer is an educational institution, it may even offer free or lower-cost tuition for children of employees. Now that's a valuable benefit. benefit, Right. Well, we all know college is not cheap. And that's why some employers facilitate saving for college through a 529 plan, which is a state-administered tuition program that is authorized by Section 529 of the Internal Revenue Code. So employer-sponsored 529 plans can include helpful provisions like a direct deposit, matching contributions, and automatic payroll deduction. Our survey found that 15% of of responding organizations offer their employees a 529 plan. In fact, it's interesting because 529 day is coming up right around the corner. It's May 29th, which is a perfect time to promote these types of plans to your employees. Oh, and and just I'll jump in here and, and give another little side note. When you're talking about 529 plans, it's really important to do your research about these types of plans. They can certainly be very helpful, but you want to be fully informed about their tax ramifications and all the related rules, including where and when they can be used, and what happens if you don't end up using the money as you originally intended. Yeah, so all this information has been great. One thing I just want to keep in mind, however, is that not all employees have children. Yes, that's a great point, Justin. Yeah, family-friendly doesn't mean just kids, as you alluded to earlier, Julie, when we started discussing uh, paid leave. You're right, Justin. It's important for an employer to be single-friendly, too. Some of your employees may not have children, but they may be taking care of a parent or a grandparent. So some of the benefits that we talked about in this episode, like paid leave, emergency leave, flexible scheduling, and dependent care FSAs could be helpful for them too. One of our colleagues, Lois Gleason, wrote an excellent blog post for our Word on Benefits blog last September on the topic of single-friendly benefits. She offered some ideas like sabbaticals or PTO banks or cafeteria-style benefits plan where employees can pick and choose the benefits they'd like to have. Check it out at ifebp.org blog or get a link in the show notes. Another idea, make sure to offer robust retirement benefits because this type of benefit will be appreciated by all employees, uh, maybe even more so by single employees who don't have a spouse or children to help them financially in their golden years. And Anne, do not forget about pets. Right. (laughs) Uh, Some people consider their four-legged friends to be their children. Uh, We chatted about pet perks in our episode last June entitled Trendy Employee Perks. Yes. And I would probably prefer a pet at work versus a baby at work. Yeah, I think. Unless there's allergies. True, true. Yes. All in that episode. All considerations are in that episode (laughs) if you're interested. So on that note, we'd like to give a shout out to our parents who may not have had such wonderful family-friendly benefits as those we covered in this episode, but who, by our estimation, still managed to raise some pretty amazing kids. Yes. So thank you very much, Mom and Dad, Pam and John. To my parents, Lola and Ralph. And mine, Chuck and Donelda. And mine too, Paul and Mary. Thanks for listening and we'll be back in your feed next month. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to it on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer, so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Today's program is copyrighted in 2019 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel.
And I'll warn you, I have a cold, so my voice may... She's got a little raspy thing going. Do you want to be just in this episode with her? (laughs) (laughs) 